0: welcome to Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix, happy to be here with you. Today our special guest is Spoon. Don't forget to rate and subscribe, follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Please welcome Britt to the show. Hello Britt and welcome to Launch Left. What a pleasure it is to have you here on our podcast. Good to talk to you. How how are you?
1: I'm good. Are you Are you in LA today?
0: I am. Are you in Texas?
1: I'm in Austin, Texas, yeah okay yeah well I'll be in LA next week though
0: you will are you will you be playing
1: yeah we're playing a show in um, Santa Ana and then some kind of you know some promo shows and I think we're gonna be on Kimmel so we got a few Oh, things. very cool yeah I got a few things going on I'd love to
0: see you guys live the record is so good
1: thank you so much
0: yeah. And I loved the one in t- 2017. I think I remember that single was Hot Thoughts or yeah. something, or maybe the record was. Yeah, that was great too. But yeah, really, really loving the new record. How long did it take you guys to make this one?
1: Uh, way too long. Um, it was, you know, I think we, I started writing in 2018, then we started recording it 2019, and then we started getting sidetracked by one thing after another. But, um, finally finished it up in 21. <laughs> just seems, I'm guessing seems the global
0: pandemic. Yeah. I mean, there was a global pandemic, so I'm guessing. there was, and we did a greatest
1: hits record in there and we were just about to settle down and really do the record. And we decided to take this month, this summer long tour, um, that pushed us back to, and then we finally got started and then the pandemic happened. It was just one thing after another, but, uh, here we are.
0: Did you feel like music during the time where everything kind of shut down and got, you know, um, uncharacteristically different for everyone? Uh, that music was a was a healing element, or that you were glad you could just disappear into the studio and make music? Or yeah, was it w- kind of a stress?
1: I was no, I was really glad for that. It was the thing that made me feel the most normal. So I would. Mm. I would do it a lot and that's kind of what another reason why it ended up taking a long time is once once I was alone I just ended up writing song after song and then I knew we had to get these songs on the record and that would make you know then we had to kick some songs off the record and it was just yeah I guess in in the end it just made it a stronger record
0: right yeah Yeah. uh what do they say Uh, obstacles commiserate with the benefit
1: but yeah, I have friends who did not want to record at all during the pandemic. Didn't want to write, and yep. I have even friends who are just telling me I shouldn't write. <laughs> I was just like, "Are you crazy?" Um, they said they what do you th- they had theories about why reasons why it just wasn't the right time, but um, it, it worked for me.
0: What do you think that is uh, culturally? That we're uh, it seems like, and this I'm going off a little bit here but it seems like there's a lot of shooting going on, you know, mm-hmm. where, yeah. where, where, pe- where people are assuming things for other people and how they should behave. It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm sure it comes from love or concern in some respects, but it's also, I think a little bit alarming when you start to, uh, not tend your own garden as much as someone else's.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always a weird, a weird thing. That happens a lot with, um, certain types of religious people of course.
0: Yeah. Well, now you're in Texas where I was born. That's all I, I can, that's my only claim to it, but it's a pretty good one. What part of um, Texas? I was born in Crockett, Texas, which is a tiny place I think above Houston or I have uh-huh. terrible geography, but um but I do like that state for some reason. Yeah. It's, and Austin was like uh, one of the places I, we almost moved. My family almost moved to Austin instead of Gain- and we ended up moving to Gainesville, Florida. It was between Austin and Gainesville, and Gainesville was greener,
1: more mm, lush. Right.
0: But Austin is such a cool music town and just art, art, art town. You know.
1: I agree, and that's what that's what you know. That's probably the thing I love most about it, even though it continues to change and it becomes more expensive to live here and more more and more money and industry gets poured into here but um there's still a real culture of live music and live music for its own sake it's not like um i don't know i've lived lived in certain cities where it felt like the music industry was sort of looming over every musician's shoulder but it seems like here the point is to be a musician who plays every night or several several nights a week that's that's what it's all about you know and and I like I like going out and seeing music several nights. It's just like a it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, there's a there are. I've heard many Angelinos who have made the migration to Austin uh-huh. since since 2020. So is that what you speak of when you're saying that prices seem to be rising? Is there more people moving there?
1: A lot of people moving here. Um, it just uh, you know, f- for instance, when I first came to Austin to go to school, downtown was kind of, after 5 p.m., it was a bit of a ghost town, and I remember after I got my first job, and I, um, you know, I felt like I was loaded, and I was like, I'm, I want to go live downtown. That just seems like a cool idea. It sounds like that's what people, you know, it just seems like this fantastic idea to live downtown like in an apartment. Um And I went and looked downtown, and there was one place you could live downtown. Now, if you go down to downtown Austin, it's nothing but condos, you know. It's just, I guess I just tell this story as a way to explain that, like, it's just a completely different city from, it's just grown up. But something about it that hasn't changed is it's still got a bit of funk to it, and it's still got these old, um, these old places that s- somehow hang on and so much live music that um, that part of it, I just I just love to death.
0: Yeah. So you are now embarking on, I'm assuming, a tour or at least a promotional uh, jumping off point, And then when the record comes out, which is next week, I believe. Right. Right. So, when the record comes out, what date does it come out? Because we're going to put this out on Friday the 11th. So, when your record comes out this February 11th, which is any day now, um, is the plan to go uh, tour the world and elsewhere?
1: Yeah, or at least North America for now. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of shows coming up in April and May in the United States. And I know a lot Mm -hmm. of shows are being worked on, but... um, that's are
0: all. you looking forward to that
1: yeah it's that's really my favorite part of the whole deal is getting to do shows. Mm. I love it
0: yeah, I agree. Live performance is where it's at, and it's so nice to know things are opening up, so you can do that
1: um yeah, yeah,
0: and then I'm sure eventually overseas uh maybe. Yeah, I, I wonder what all the restrictions are like everywhere. You know, I, I guess that changes things.
1: I, yeah, I think it's going to happen eventually. We'll get overseas, but and it feels weird because I don't remember the last time. I guess we've never put out a record where we didn't have Europe on the agenda. Um, hmm. Hmm. And we usually go to Australia. You know, it's just it, it's just a different different record release, but yeah, we'll get there. So.
0: Can, can you uh, let me know? I'm curious. This is one of my f- most curious things to everyone I talk to is how, like, how old were you when you first had an experience with music and how did that eventually lead you to playing music?
1: Well, I had a dad who would play a lot of records and he was the kind of dad who would um, kind of, he would put on loud records early in the morning to wake people up. That was his way of sort of getting us all in a good mood. <laughs> it sounds like, I, like maybe it was a disturbing thing, but no, it wasn't. It was a good, it was a good vibe. Um, he was really into the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, um, into a lot of classical music, but um, that's, that's where I first started hearing music, and eventually I was allowed to put the needle on the record, and when I could... When I was allowed to run that record machine, you know, it it alleviated a lot of boredom in my life. Um, Maybe that's where I first got obsessed with it. Hmm. It was something free I could do, and my parents weren't pissed that I was doing it. You know, hmm? I could do it all I wanted.
0: Yeah, so cool. And at what age did you decide to pick up an instrument and try it yourself?
1: Um. Fairly late. I mean, I I think I was maybe sixteen when I started playing guitar. I had, I mean, it's I had a bass before then, and I would play my bass along with um with the TV, you know, with whatever songs came on the TV, <laughs> mm-hmm. or I play along with records. But I didn't I didn't really um write on the bass. I didn't find it come you know I didn't find it compelling me to write songs. But mm-hmm. once I had an acoustic and I and I learned how to do that a little bit, then it, it did really lend itself to writing. Um, and I got in a band maybe, uh, six, nine months after I started playing guitar. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. And was that high school? Yeah, that's high school. Yeah. Wow. Was your, was your dad happy to see you take that route? I think so. I think he got
1: a kick out of it. He, he, he's never been in bands. Um, But he, yeah, he, he did play acoustic guitar and, uh, he was, he was obsessed with it from that angle, but, um, he, he he just, but just playing in his, um, in his back room, playing in his closet or his, his bathroom. That's where, that's where he plays.
0: I think he, I think he
1: dug it though. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. I'm sure, uh, he's been to many shows. He was at many of your shows and saw you perform in front of large audiences that must have been satisfying too to see it take from just you know high school bands to playing i think he was pleased once audience. we
1: started having some success yeah.
0: yeah 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 i know it's so interesting how um you know as much uh, there's a, there are a lot of parents who encourage their kids to play piano or play music but when it comes to careers they start to dial back (laughs) their enthusiasm yeah Yeah, they're like let's dial back that enthusiasm (laughs) yeah and he did try to do that
1: for a bit um yeah but eventually he he saw I was right
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that must be so satisfying for a kid too though you know to to make your parent proud in a way they were pretty sure you wouldn't be able to pull off right (laughs) you know yeah and I think that that's mostly because you know culturally it's not as supported as getting a desk job or working at a bank or being a doctor or lawyer or things that pay well you know it it uh, and at the same time it's the coolest job you could possibly right have but if you're successful everybody wants to be a rock star right so yeah but parents look, interesting
1: parents look at it and say you know it's a one in a million shot right right and they they want something that's dependable for you.
0: Right. Right. Which is fair. I guess they just want the best for you, but yeah. it's some people, some, you know, there's some harrowing stories of parents being really against. And then it's like, you're having to fight completely upstream, not just against like family of origin, but the world. Right. I feel very luckily that it was not the case for me. Um, that art was kind of the thing that was most encouraged. Right. But, uh, I'm still upset I didn't get forced to play piano, because then I would know how to play piano. You know, like <laughs> yeah. at least, like you know, that would have been good. I don't know. I would have loved to have had all that piano theory and music theory, and not. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't know. It's interesting.
1: I wish I had that skill too.
0: Uh, right. It's some, it's that's one something of those that you things. don't
1: really just pick up on your own and and are able to master well enough to be in a band uh, six months yeah. later
0: exactly <laughs> i'd love to hear one of your first songs uh in your high school van i'm sure that's really cool and do you have any demo tapes i mean i'm assuming this was during the time of cassettes and four tracks yeah. being more did we, you do that kind of covers. recording
1: we did covers mostly until the end like maybe the last three months we existed we started doing our own songs um, very cool but yeah i still got those they're uh They're not coming out.
0: (laughs) And are you keen on uh, the engineering side? Do you like doing that? Have you always been into that? Like four tracks back then or maybe recording and now Pro Tools, I'm assuming, or Logic. Do you have that at your own house or is it more like that's somebody else does that and you focus on the music?
1: I do have that stuff at my house, but I like it when someone else. At this point, I, I like it when someone else runs it and they have to think about it. I do love recording on, on tape, like uh, those cassette four tracks. That's something that I feel like I can do that. Um, and the, and I'm not taking out of my creative spot to do that. It just comes so naturally. They're so simple, you know, and I know them so well, but if I'm having to set up tracks and, you know, use a mount, all that stuff, um, that can kind of get me out of the creative zone
0: absolutely
1: did you used to I know run, it's it, you used to have
0: i do yeah i have pro tools like you know little home rig kind of thing uh-huh. so sometimes i i like sometimes to record my own vocals but if my chain gets messed up like if the <laughs> if the if the mic to the pre back into the pro Tools somehow something goes ari i'm not that gifted to like dial it back in yeah so then i'll end up like singing vocals that have to be massaged so much more in terms of like this the tone and eq later and and that bums me out so it requires like help from people setting it up properly you know um but i love like editing in pro tools like i can do you know and comping i actually enjoy that part as long as like you said it's not part of the creative recording process it's right. later yeah like I'm, I'm i love to do that if it's like okay now i'm gonna be an engineer and try to like comp all these vocals and figure out which ones i want to layer and i'll enjoy that part but yeah. a after- fact.
1: did you ever mess around with cassette four tracks that that I'd, kind of stuff yes yeah, so yeah.
0: funny you should mention that i actually put out a record with one of my bands Venus and the Moon we did it all on four track um oh cool recently like in uh 20 I guess that was 2016 not that recently or 2018 oh well yeah that's cool um,
1: you get a certain sound out of that for sure right and the limitations are something you can really play to
0: yeah the limitations was really fun we ended up um Dumping it to Pro Tools so the mix engineer could mix it. And I feel like even though you can feel it, it you can tell it was four track to some extent. Some of it sounds so, the mix, the, it sounded so great that you're like, this doesn't sound like an old four track recording. Right. <laughs> you know, it didn't sound quite as hissy and analogy as I thought it would because yeah. maybe. It got mixed in Pro Tools. I don't know why that happened, but four tracks were a huge staple in my life because my brother River was a guitarist from like the age of five and I would sing with him, but he, the first time he got a four track, he would just be in his room layering things and he he learned how to use it really great. And we used that four track to do my, um, my band's records. So it was his old four track. Oh, that's cool. cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really fun to like learn it, and
1: it's just such and, a different um, process recording on those things
0: yeah, very tactile yeah and tactile i, is a good I word. love, love, love the limitations,
1: yeah, totally, yeah,
0: I like that that we got on the four track talk that was unexpected <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh for I'll, I'll ask you one more question, and then I think we were going to bring uh, your friend Andrew on, cool. if that's okay with you yeah um. So I was just curious. I know in Austin I'm sure there's some local things that you're championing, but what what in your world uh, for, for the broader world, the vast world, what is your form of activism or what is it that you kind of care about or that the band contributes to? What and do I care so, Well um, what do I care about? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs>
1: we, um, we we invite this group called Move to Amend to um, hand out. Uh, materials at a lot of our shows it's this organization that's dedicated to ending citizen U- citizens united and ending the idea that corporations are people and that they should have free speech and be able to uh, donate limitless amounts of money to political campaigns um wow that's a they're a good group that's awesome
0: that's awesome yeah um that that's so cool there's
1: a great there's wow. a great. Uh, uh, health insurance um for musicians uh organization in austin called ham health Al- health alliance for austin awesome musicians and we mm. try to do stuff for them every now and then mm. um i have a friend who's now cancer free who went through his battle with cancer and they helped make it possible um, wow. with like they they helped him get health insurance and essentially found ways to get him back to health so It's the real deal. Well,
0: thank you for sharing a little bit about your record and your life and music and the things that you care about. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's good to talk to you. um, Can you talk a little bit about Andrew and then we'll bring him in? Yeah. So you asked me to
1: bring in a guest and (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, I called up my friend Andrew who lives uh, here in Austin. And Andrew is a guy who is a songwriter in a couple of my favorite bands, One's called The Giant Dog, one is called Sweet Spirit. They've put out many records, and they are based here in Austin. And he's also um, putting out a solo record. He's put out one solo record, and he's about to put out another. He's very prolific. And uh, he re- co-wrote one of the songs on our new record with me. It's called The Devil and Mr. Jones. Uh, he actually came up with the, well, the first part of the idea. Is he here?
0: So we're going to welcome Andrew Cashin. To the show, Britt was just sharing how prolific you are, and you're in multiple bands, and uh, he likes your songwriting. So um, I'm assuming you're you're making music during this shutdown.
2: Uh, maybe unless you later. lose,
0: yeah. Unless you lose electricity. <laughs> God, I hope not.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Last year we um, lost. Yeah, we everybody lost power, and this year they're saying that's not going to happen. I, I don't think it's nearly as bad a storm as it was last year. So. I and think, hopefully we're a, be a little bit
2: more prepared. Hopefully.
1: So. Hopefully.
2: Yeah.
1: But I was, I was so, going to ask you how, uh, you know, could, the way that we wrote this song, Devil and Mr. Jones, was Andrew sent me a, a voice note, basically, and it was you whistling on top of uh, acoustic guitar. And um, I don't know. Was there something that led to that idea? Like, was there a, a song you were listening to when that happened, or was it just kind of out of the blue?
2: No, I, that's just kind of how I get ideas down. Uh-huh. It's how my mind can go back and categorize stuff. If i got a melody and a guitar riff, I'll remember what I was thinking about and what I... Like, the vibe I wanted... If I try to do it anyway else, I'm just like, where did that come from? But yeah. I got th- thousands of those in my phone, and I was just going through them one day. Kind of forgot that I wrote that and went, this kind of sounds like something uh, Brit would write. And then, yeah, just sent it to you.
1: Yeah, and it quickly became a song. Yeah, but I'm realizing I sort of took over the interviewer <laughs> position, so no, I didn't mean to do that.
0: No, I, I, I'm glad you did actually, because I think I wouldn't have asked that question. And that was the that so, was a question that I I was interested in hearing the answer to.
2: Okay, one. cool. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I do not even think me and Britt have discussed it too much. I just kind of sent it to him, and then he sent me some stuff back, and I was like, "Sounds great, good job."
0: Yeah, and you uh when you say whistle to the guitar, I'm assuming you were whistling the melody, potentially the vocal melody?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Very cool. And you I like that that's how you you write or or at least remember ideas or remember what you were thinking. That's interesting. I I've, I've never uh run into anyone who whistles the melody to guitar. I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. That is kind of That's unique. Cool. Usually, I'll just yeah. be kind of even if it's uh, not words, I'll be singing it in some way. Yeah. Do you ever do that, Me Andrew? Too. Or Is it always whistling?
2: It's mainly whistling because I can hit notes better. Right. Right. Voice, voice memo isn't the the best uh, quality recording you can get. So, I'm mainly just doing that so I can like, I can whistle notes better than I can sing them. Yeah. Yeah. I get do it more accurately. You have a higher accurate. range. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Andrew, how can we find you? How can our listeners find you and your bands and what you're up to musically?
2: Uh, I'm on, even though Neil Young wouldn't like it, I'm on Spotify, Uh, all the other Apple music. I'm really bad at social media. I try to post social media, but that's not my forte.
0: Yeah. It's good for you. Um wish it yeah, wasn't in, the, important Instagram, Yeah. I guess. So what what, what what's your uh, I know Brit shared two different band names. What name can we find you under?
2: Um well, you can find me under a giant dog, sweet spirit, uh just my name Andrew Cashin. I've got all three of those readily available. I'm in another band called Tear Dungeon, which is harder to find.
1: And what are they so, like? Tell us about that band.
2: That, uh, it's a little side project that we play like a couple shows a year where we wear leather gimp masks and spit fake blood on the crowd. Uh, it's, awesome. it's a little heavier than the other three projects. but um,
0: <laughs> I'm a yeah. fan of that. That's great. Yeah. I used to do similar in a band called Dick Duster. We would just like dress crazy latex. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm actually glad you shared that, that, that uh, we'll look for that. Did you, did you do, have you done some seven inches or six or, or something that people can find or is it more just like if you're there, you saw it and if you're not, you missed it.
2: Yeah. Basically that we, we had like a couple, maybe like a hundred tapes come out a couple years ago, like cassette tapes, Mm
0: -hmm. which
2: we sold out of, but that's about it. We might have a band camp. I don't know, but (laughs) it's kind of like, yeah, if you don't see it live, you're not going to see it.
0: Well, you guys going to collaborate again and again, or was that it? Like one song. I hope so.
1: I mean, (laughs) what what I loved about that one was somehow it it became a song really fast. That's not always the case he he sent me something that for whatever reason i guess you were right it it did sound like a a spoon song or something i might write cuz i just i think it was that afternoon i sent you that first demo back right or maybe the next afternoon but it was fast
2: yeah and basically the same thing just acoustic guitar but you were actually singing lyrics instead of whistling right <laughs> yeah i thought it sounded great
1: and then it changed then i sent you another demo that was a little off from that and then another one that was i think you said it was what um oh what what, who did you compare it to
2: oh oh, yeah and you hated it uh tom jones
1: yeah thanks a lot man
2: (laughs) (laughs) no but like in a good like in a really good good way way. yeah Yeah, i I love tom jones okay see yeah yeah cool
0: well i'm so glad i got to talk to you guys you too yeah uh this is really cool and i'm uh, I'm now i'm gonna listen to that track and know that it was a collaboration which i'm always keen on hearing how people joined forces um so yeah and Britt, can you tell us where we i mean we know friday the 11th i believe is your records out
1: yeah lucifer on the sofa friday february 11th and then we do uh we've got a couple tours planned of the the u.s in may and sorry april may into the beginning of june that's what's Yay. that's what's on the agenda
0: all right well we'll come out and see you on the road for sure yeah i'm really glad i got to meet you too andrew and uh we'll be searching your uh searching your bands now and checking them out thank you for coming on the show thank you Brett. yeah cool thank it's you, good, to, good to meet you